Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. And welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Butch, and I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Gentlemen, how are we doing? I'm good, Butch, man. How are you? I'm happy to be back. Do you know what? I, I am definitely happy to be back, man. Yeah, it yeah, felt like good. I was on an international break. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was away, you know, I just felt lost. Yeah, you know? welcome back. We missed you, and, man. Man, missed I, I missed you. you guys, man. I missed the studio. I was, I was literally raring to go. Um, I just want to say shout out to you guys, man, for, for a great, great two-piece Safe, um, uh, Safe, bro. Uh, uh, series. Um, honestly, it, it it just feels so different listening listening to the listening to the pod. Even from when a, a I'm fan perspective. <laughs> even when was, I'm hosting, it just yeah. uh, it doesn't feel the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, but it it was it was a really, really, really uh, great episode. Yeah. Um, shout out so, Rob. He yeah, gave yeah, a exactly. Great Rob Harris, he gave some really, really good and interesting stories. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> definitely one I know that uh, the fans would 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 have enjoyed. How are you anyway, Dej? Yeah, I'm going? good, Budge. Like, you know, we're a trio. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's good to have you back. And I was inundated with some messages. Where's Budge? Where's Budge? <laughs> it's not the same. So, it's good to have you back. Absolutely. And I think it's also very, very wonderful that we're, we're back. The trio's back. And we're also joined by a very, very, very special guest. Uh-huh. This this one yeah, is one. I think a nice we, one. We've, we've been planning this one for some time. We've been What's thinking, you know, this is, this is one that's got to happen. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been letting it marinate a we've bit. We've let it marinate for a little while. Um, so, so without further ado, I want to introduce our very, very special guest, um, journalist extraordinaire. He's currently <laughs> at the Athletic. Um, he was previously at the Independent. You know, he's broke some very interesting news, <laughs> such as you know when uh, uh, Everton were making the approach for Marco Silva, the move for um, Carl Walker to, yeah. to to Man City. You know he's very reputable. He's, I mean, I think you know I, I had a look at some of the, uh, the 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 awards that he's been nominated for and, and won. And you know, I think you know Pep Guardiola, you know Daniel Alves, eat your eat your heart out. You know these kind of the most decorated yeah, guys yeah, yeah, in, in, in football when it comes to accolades and awards. Uh, but but none other than Jack Pitbrook. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome Thank you very much. That's a Honestly, I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit gobsmacked. That's a, <laughs> that is a really, really, that is a very kind and generous welcome, and I'm very grateful for coming on. 
Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for having me, guys. On. Thank you, and guys. Thanks thank for you. coming down. You know, I know you're a, you're a, you're a busy guy. So not at all. Not my pleasure. My pleasure. Time out to to come along. You know, we really do appreciate it. Cool. Okay. So let's let's get things uh, let's get things cracking. I think uh, a good place for us to start is just for us to um, review uh, a piece that we put together. So for 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 the listeners that are are, are tuning in now and, and weren't aware, we actually uh, wrote a piece. Our, our first piece. Yep. Inaugural um, piece. Yeah. Yeah. An inaugural piece, um, which was talking about you know the diversity in in football, but namely starting with referees. Mm. Um, and and we were basically elaborating on a uh, upon a very very uh, interesting stat mm. that the last uh, black um, uh, pre- uh, Premier League referee was Uriah Rennie, which was over eleven years ago. Yeah. Yep. Um, so so I mean it, it's it started to garner some very very good mm-hmm. traction. Yeah. We've got some good feedback and engagement from it. What what do you guys what do you guys think so far? Yeah, I just want to say thank you to everyone. It wasn't yeah. easy trying to put the piece together. Yeah, we, we certainly had yeah, some stumbling yeah, blocks yeah, along yeah, the way. Yeah, we definitely. came across a lot of obstacles, yeah, but yeah, yeah, we just wanted a platform to express our feelings, and I hope it's received well. Yeah, I would just like to add to that. I think as Dot said, it was an arduous process. Mm-hmm. Like we had some knockbacks. We were meant to be putting them, you know, the piece out with certain publications mm-hmm. and in the last minute they said, sorry, we can't put this out. Yeah. But Zach from Breaking the Lines was ever so, you know, kind to mm-hmm. put the piece out. And we appreciate that because without that, we wouldn't be able to put the piece out. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let's do, you know, a, ma- a massive thanks to, thanks to Zach for, for, for doing that for us. And and hopefully that the first of many more to come. <laughs> yeah. 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 I thought it was a great article. And I can be really honest, it's it's not something that I considered to be an issue beforehand. And then mm. as soon as I read the piece, I was mm. like, oh my God, of course that's a problem. Mm. Of course that's mm. an issue. So, which goes to show, you know, which goes to show that it's the, exactly the kind of issue that more people should talk about mm. because I do think there's a lot of like, I don't know if complacency is the right word, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of, you know, it's it's not an issue on everyone's radar. Mm. It should yeah, be, but exactly. it, it should yeah. be, but it isn't. Yeah. And that's why having that kind of article is so important because mm. it makes you realise, oh, actually, this isn't it. You know, this issue, which you know maybe I hadn't even considered, is, yeah. is actually yeah. a real issue. This means a lot coming from you, Jack. You know, yeah. to say you enjoyed mm. it and yeah, yeah, that means a lot coming yeah. from someone at the top of their profession. Yeah. So absolutely, really kind. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the voice. And but finally, I just want to shout out Anita. She gave a lot of encouragement so just want to big her up for Shout all the help yeah, on big it. up needs yeah yeah from the gold diggers podcast okay great stuff so um jack let's let's go let's get straight into it then we want to know a bit about your 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 career and how you found yourself in in, in journalism um so so where, where did it where did it all begin for you um basically so i when i was growing up i loved football and i loved mm. writing about it uh and i did a lot of writing about it on the internet Mm-hmm. Um, so going all the way back to so did you have your own like blog? Yeah, so I had my own. So I had I set up a website in like the early two thousands, uh, where I you know I go to a match and then just write a report about it, mm-hmm. and then kind of forgot it for a little bit, and then in the uh, late two thousands when I was at university, I wrote a blog uh, which was mainly about Manchester City. So right. City's my team that I support. Okay. Uh, even though so I'm I'm from London, but my dad's from Manchester. I support City, right? And I start started up this blog about City, and I would go to the you know not all the games, but some of the games, and I'd write what I think, and then I would write about what I read in the papers about them, mm-hmm. or players, or manager. And this was this was this was quite an interesting time to be doing this for two reasons. One is that it was like just before. 
before the Abu Dhabi takeover of City, right. when they were owned by Tax and Chinawatra, and they had Svenja and Eriksson as manager. And then in the first few seasons of the Abu Dhabi era, when they had first Mark Hughes and then Roberto Mancini as manager. It was also interesting because it was back in the late 2000s when there just weren't that many blogs about football. Mm. Like That might seem kind yeah. of strange to yeah, remember yeah, yeah. now, because there are so many. But back in the late 2000s, there weren't that many. And that meant that you could... Like by doing one, you could you could make a little bit more of an impression because mm. they you just didn't have that that many competitors, um, and I did it and I really enjoyed it. I really really enjoyed it because yeah. blogging's really fun because you don't have to you're not writing to anybody else's like uh, specifications. Mm-hmm. You can write as much or as little as you want. You can try your own thing in terms of format or style. Uh, you don't yeah. have an editor, of course, so you yeah. can you yeah. can really yeah. have your own fun with a blog. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I got incredibly lucky, basically, that it got read by a few people and a few journalists who were interested in what in my pieces. And fortunately for me, one of those people that read it was a man called Simon Kellner, who was then the editor of The Independent and is a Massive City fan. Wow. Match made in heaven. Exactly, yeah. So I got incredibly, incredibly fortunate that Simon read it. And he got in touch with me. We started emailing, you know, kind of what do you think about Mancini? What do you think about Alano? All that sort of stuff. Were you still at university at this point? Uh, so this was like towards the end of my time at university. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I left university, moved to London, didn't really know what I wanted to do. But then, for, for, you know, I was very blessed. In 2010, um, Simon asked if I wanted to come and do some work experience at the Independent. And then they had a job come up in the sports section, um, which he offered me and I took. And so this was, yeah, almost exactly nine years ago, or coming up to nine years ago, uh, that I joined the Independent. Um, and then from there, uh, it, the Independent was like a really fun place. You know, it's a great place to go and be a young person working mm. there because you get thrown a lot of stuff to do because uh, it's, it's quite small. Like They rely a lot on younger members of staff. Uh, so I was kind of helping out in the office at first, just mm. doing little bits and pieces. And then from there, I got to start, you know, they started sending me to games and then like press conferences here and there. And so my job kind of evolved into a sort of um, like into more of a like a reporting job mm-hmm. um, from like, I don't know, sort of 2012, 2013-ish. Mm-hmm. Were you team specific or was uh, it just No, so when I, at first it was more just like, we need someone to go to this League Cup game. We need okay. someone to go to this championship game. And I was doing little bits and pieces where I could. Uh, and kind of press conferences or like can you do a piece about this or can you do a piece about that and I'd say can I do this and Mm -hmm. um, I was really like helped by the fact that the independent was and and still is somewhere where they don't have a huge amount of money compared to other people they don't have a huge amount of staff that means they're like more reliant on young people and they're more Mm -hmm. if you put your hand up to say I want to do this then they'll say yeah that's a great idea you can do it or they'll say Jack, can you be the guy that goes to cover this game or this press conference or whatever? Um, so in that sense, I was, you know, I was very fortunate to be in that position at the Independent because you get more, you get more responsibility, and that means you learn more. Um, and then, so my role basically just evolved out of that. And then by, I don't know, sort of twenty, yeah, sort of twenty thirteen fourteen, I was a kind of full time reporter basically, mm. um, working in London, doing games and press conferences and interviews and all that sort of stuff. Oh, right. okay. mm, that's very interesting because mm. I know you studied something completely different at university. You studied politics. modern history and politics. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, how did you? Well, so I find like a lot of it's in, this is a really interesting issue in the journalism in journalism industry is like, do you need to study journalism or not? Like mm. some people, I, I, 
this is not a great answer. There's not really a great answer to this question, right? Because some people study journalism and learn a lot and learn a lot of skills and make a lot of contacts, which are, which are really, really valuable. Equally, there's a lot of people who don't. Like, I, you know, mm. I, I, haven't, I haven't studied journalism at all. Like, I, I didn't do it at university. I don't have, like, uh, sort of any A-level a- in journalism or, like, a, a postgraduate qualification in journalism or anything like that. Um, and I know quite a lot of other journalists who are in the same boat as me, mm. who don't have any journalism qualifications. So, just out of curiosity, what did you study at um, A level? Uh, so, A level, I did history. It's got ages ago. History, <laughs> uh, <laughs> history, <laughs> politics, and religious studies. Right. Okay. And, okay. Cool. Um, so you know, just stuff which was about like kind of writing and essays mm-hmm. and reading mm-hmm. and stuff that skills that I enjoy doing and skill, you know, things that taught me a lot of skills, mm-hmm. but um, nothing that was like connected to journalism in really. And so all my all my journalism like training has was kind of on the job. It yeah, was kind of yeah, figuring yeah, out as yeah. I went along. Mm. And you know, for me that worked really well. Like it's different for different people, but for like personally, I found I enjoyed that. Mm. That's not to say that I wouldn't have benefited from a formal journalism education, yeah, like from yeah, a yeah. formal. Like I, I'm abs- the last thing I want to do is say journalism qualifications aren't important because mm-hmm. you know people learn an awful lot and uh, like if i'd done one then maybe i'd be better yeah so yeah, there, yeah, there is yeah, like yeah. you know i, I don't want to say that my i don't want to like read too much into my experience mm, yeah. you know what i mean yeah i don't want to say that my my pathway is like the pathway or something that people because you know everyone everyone's pathways are different yeah definitely yeah. okay that's quite interesting i'm actually happy that you clarified um your, the club that you support um you gotta own the, it you gotta yeah, own it yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's that's really good i really hate when people are like i can't say i can't say yeah. <laughs> grow up yeah. grow up like, everyone ha- you know everyone has one everyone has a team absolutely like you've just got to own it and don't pretend that you're like above it somehow some people yeah. are like i can't say who i support because then people will think that i'm biased <laughs> yeah. like, like own awesome. it like, that, I, like that's what we get. Everyone says we're biased because yeah. when Liverpool supporters, me and Dej and Budge is Arsenal, but they say yeah, it's yeah. always Liverpool Honestly. based. Well. <laughs> I just think, I just think, admit it, own it, mm. do your job properly. If you yeah. do your job properly, you're not going to get accused of being biased. Yeah. Like, very, and definitely. don't, um, uh, yeah, and like, don't, don't think that you are somehow so perfect and pure. The, mm. you can't possibly admit your team because it's, yeah, yeah. it's somehow like dirty to have a team. Yeah, or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, or conflict of interest. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. just grow up. Yeah. Sorry. Valid, no, valid, valid, <laughs> very valid point. I'm, valid I'm, gra- I'm glad you, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you, 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 you cleared that up. So what I wanted to ask, let's fast forward just a little bit. Um, take us through now the series of unfortunate events that culminated in you covering Spurs uh, Athletic. No. Okay, so that's a good question. That's a good question. So when I was at the Independent, I I didn't have like a team as such because there weren't that many of us, so we all had to do a fair bit. I did like mainly. I did. I think I would kind of do mainly Tottenham and Arsenal uh, mm. with like with a bit of West Ham and QPR. Well, like the teams I would mainly do for the Independent. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of came into this at quite a good time because. Uh, you know, obviously Pochettino arriving at Tottenham in 2014 mm. made Tottenham a really big story. Uh, and I went to a lot of Spurs games and press conferences and did stories about Spurs. And just kind of over time, like, 
you get you you know the more you cover a club the more you learn about them mm. you meet people who can like inform what you write like you meet contacts whether that's people connected to the club or people connected to players um and you generally become you generally learn more and that improves your work and then it's a bit of a cycle because you do more stories on the team and and so like there was never anything formal about it but mm. over the course of my time at the indie I kind of became like unofficially the Spurs guy, right. yeah. um, with a bit with, with a fair bit of Arsenal thrown in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like I kind of knew from a few years ago that was like one of my sort of specialisms. And then well, basically, so in uh, earlier this summer, Athletic UK was set up, and they started putting together a big team of reporters mm. uh, working on the website, which launched a few weeks ago, um, and. So my job for them isn't, like, I'm not going to be the only Spurs guy. Like, we mm. have got another full-time Spurs guy yep. coming called Charlie right. Eccleshare. Mm. Um, but my job is, like, Spur, like not full-time Spurs, but with an emphasis on Spurs. And then, like, with an emphasis on my own ideas and mm. my own my own st- stories on other, on other clubs as well. So it's kind of a mixed role mm. between Spurs and, like, non-Spurs stuff. Cool, okay. And I, I find it it's, it's quite interesting, especially now you mentioned some of the timelines, because... It's it's it certainly feels like more recently the athletic have been really really aggressive in terms of I guess their their approach I I I I don't know if it is literally just because they've only just started that now or because I'm starting to uh, notice it more but like I'm seeing articles uh, from the athletic uh, promoted posts on my different social media platforms on on Facebook on 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 Twitter so it's like there is a, you know a, a real sort of aggressive push to to get the, the 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 brand and the name out there and 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 that kind of thing is that is that totally yeah 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 that's totally fair so we've we're we've got a really big team I actually can't put a number on it at the moment but I think we have like at least 30 reporters I think right. um most of whom started when we launched on the 5th of August although we have got more people still yet to join us, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all about like just trying to provide as much kind of quality and quantity to fans as we can. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've got more reporters than anyone else. We've got club specific people, including on clubs that like I think are kind of un- underreported by the main papers. Right. Okay. Um, you know, so we've got a range and Celtic person. We've got people for every Premier League team. We've got people in the Championship. We've got lots of other really good people as well who maybe aren't attached to a specific club. Mm. We've got two or more people attached to some clubs. So I think in terms of like quality and quantity, I think we 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 really stand alone from everyone else. Yeah. Okay. And, and what are the plans for the athletic? Let's say short to long term. What 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 do they ultimately want to achieve um, in the next couple of years? I think what what we really want to do is do an all. Do a lot of really, really high quality stuff that sets us apart from everyone else, and to get subscribers. Like Mm. it's all about yeah. yeah, Ultimately, ultimately, it's about it's it's about subscribers. Like we've got, Mm. I think, more than six hundred thousand across the world. Um, We've had. Because it's an American company. It's an American company. So I I, I imagine it's quite big. When was it founded? Even I think it was founded about 2016. Okay. I think. Okay. There was a really good article about this on on the Bloomberg website a few weeks. uh, I think last week, which has got a lot of all the all the background information. Um, I'm gonna have a sneaky look at work. (laughs) At work. Um, So our our headquarters is in San Francisco. I think Mm -hmm. we're really really good on American sports. Like I'm not. I don't know about you guys. I'm not massively into my American sports, but I think we're. We've got 
brilliant people on baseball and NFL and oh, NBA. Two of the worst sports. And, no. and, <laughs> and hockey and yeah. MLS and MMA and everything in the US. I think we do right. really, really well. Uh, and we've, you know, we've, I think we found... Like taking over a new territory now. Yeah, I think we found world. American sports fans to be really, really receptive to mm-hmm. to what we have to do. And that's kind of why they've taken, the, they made the decision to come and do it properly in the UK as well. Because they know that, like, one, there are a lot of really enthusiastic sports fans in the UK. But also there's lots of Americans who are really into the Premier League. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I find I get so many of my interactions on Twitter from like accounts with names like Brooklyn Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> These are like Americans who are, yeah, who are yeah. really, really into the Premier League and they know so much about it. And yeah. they'll be tweeting me like, what do you think about Ndombele? Or what do you think about Winks? Or <laughs> whatever. And, you know, I, I mean, you guys, anyone who spends any time on Twitter knows this. Yeah, there I'm is fine. so much enthusiasm for the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether it's in the US or India, China, Singapore, Nigeria, South Africa, yeah, all over the yeah. world, mm-hmm. there's Premier League fans. It's a fans. global brand, yeah. yeah. Totally, 100%, yeah, yeah. 100%. Oh, so how are you finding it as well? How are you finding working there? It's really like, fun. It's really really fun. It's very different. It's very different from the independent uh, because we're just like because the athletic is such a big, like impressive organized organization. Like it, it is really 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 switched on. Lots of uh, and like there's nothing against the independent. It's just a very different feel. Um, mm. And it's very different working such a big team as well because if you're in a small team, naturally you're kind of like you know there's more you know, you're kind of more thinly spread, basically. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. You've got a small number of people trying to cover a broad sweep of, like, stuff that's happening in football. When you've got a much bigger team, everybody can be a lot more specialist. focused mm. and specialist and be like, I'm going to go away and work on this article for two days. Yeah. Rather than be like, oh, I've got to do, like, five things today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That or makes whatever. sense. So it's like, in that sense, it's more... Like each person can spend more time on any given article that they're doing, mm, and yeah. naturally that means the quality of that yeah, article maybe, improves. Yeah, definitely. Of course, of course. So was it very difficult for you to leave the independent then, given that you know obviously that was like uh, your first kind of role it, and been there for such? It a long wasn't time. a difficult decision. Like I, when I thought about it, I made my mind up pretty quickly. Mm. But it was it was a bit yeah it was like really sad when I left because mm. I'd been there I'd been there for nine years mm. you know. When I left, I was like out of uni. Yeah, when I left, when I joined, I was like a twenty, I was twenty-two with no with no real experience of journalism, and I was like, you know, I was one of the youngest people there. And now, when I left, I was like thirty-one. And to be honest, like the independent has changed a lot since then, and it's now, you know, most people there I feel are kind of younger than me. Mm. Um, wow. So I feel like yeah. So in, in an emotional sense, it was hard to leave, and I was really like on my leaving day, I was kind of sad and everything. But in terms of like the de- the decision itself, the decision itself wasn't wasn't hard. Yeah, like when yeah. I, I sat down and thought about it, and like I was like, yeah, actually, I, I kind of made my mind up pretty quickly. And then I, I you know I spoke to my dad and I spoke to my fiance, and then it was it was in that it all went pretty quickly. Cool. All right. So so going back to the subject of Spurs, I think we want to have a bit of a deep dive uh, in, into Spurs and and you know ask you a few questions. Mm, we've got uh, some massive got... massive Spurs. Shouts yeah. out to <laughs> Tapping Tobes, yeah, of the self professed Spurs <laughs> psycho. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be uh, listening with bated uh, breath. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> even even at work, one of my uh, one of my friends. Uh, as soon as I mentioned that we'd we'd be having a Jack on, he sent me a list of loads no, of questions. Um, so so I'm gonna you know try my best to, to try and cover. As, as many of those as possible so I guess the best place for us to start is obviously the, the, the most recent result at yeah. the weekend uh, losing 1-0 at home to Spurs uh, courtesy of a, a, a well-worked team goal uh, you know defending which was is, terrible which, is, which was rounded up um, by Joe Linton 
So, yeah, let, let, let's start off with, with that game, uh, Jack. What are your thoughts on it? What went wrong? I thought it was pretty bad. It was really bad, actually. Um, and it was bad because it wasn't that surprising. It was like, uh, we've seen this before. Like We've seen a few times recently where Spurs have had a lot of possession and they can't create chances. Um, you know, the first hour against Villa, for example, on you know two weeks ago, and yeah, they won the game three one, but for the first hour they were rubbish, really. Yeah. Before Ericsson came on and they changed the formation. Uh, even in the second half of last season, there were a lot of games that Spurs had like this, where either they would just scrape it, or they'd lose, or they they'd score with five minutes left, but they were mm. never really convincing. And I kind of think there's a bigger issue with here with Spurs, which is like the Champions League run was amazing. That mm. was incredible. You know the those were completely unforgettable moments against Ajax and against City. And they did so well. You know, for the Tottenham to get to the Champions League final is an mm. amazing achievement. Mm-hmm. But they haven't played well in the Premier League since Christmas. That, yeah, when they yeah. smashed they smashed Everton and Bournemouth, 6-2 and 5-0, I think, around Boxing Day uh, last year. And that, that was amazing. That was the last time we saw anything which I would describe as like classic Spurs. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like intensity, pressing, running... Like kind of wiping the other team off the pitch. Mm. That's like for me, that's classic Spurs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we haven't seen it since then. So They've the just... Champions League run pretty much papered over. Totally. A lot of yeah, I completely yeah. agree yeah. with you. Mm. Um, and at the time, you couldn't like. I kind of said this. So it's kind of a difficult thing to say. I think at the time because everybody, like, totally understandably, people got really wrapped up in the emotion of the Champions League w- mm. run. And they were like, how can you criticise the, these guys? They're in the Champions League final. Yeah. Yeah, and I get that. Yeah. Like, I, That's totally fair. <laughs> but I kind of think that if you analyse it rationally and you look at the Champions League run in which they were lucky, like, that's, you can't... That's, yeah, that's, that's the point I was making to these guys. And I remember um, the second leg of the Ajax game. They were, to be honest, both games against Ajax, they were played off the park. Yeah. And they were only leading for literally one minute and they somehow got through. And at the time, I said, when they when they qualified for the final, I was like, you know what? I think this is the end of this Spurs team. Yeah. Because I saw a sign that they've accomplished what they need to do. They've got to a Champions League final. Pochettino was crying. The players were crying. And I was like, this mentality, I don't feel like they're winners. I don't feel like they have that mentality to go to the next level. And it seems like they've hit a brick wall. It, it seems that Pochettino, in my opinion, cannot take Tottenham any further. To be fair, they stumbled across the Champions League run. It was not to be expected. So, obviously, there is going to be an outpour of emotions from Pochettino. Yeah, but, but you're also... meant to be managing the situation. As a manager, you're not meant to be showing... You're not going to see Jurgen Klopp doing that. You're not going to see Pep Guardiola crying in the yeah, Champions League. But... These guys are born winners. They have to win. Yeah, but not I think they want to win. They have the, to. It brought the club closer together. Apparently, Daniel Levy started talking to the players more and... They thought, you know what, we've seen a more human side to Daniel yeah, Levy. Yeah. So in terms of group camaraderie, of course it done a lot. But also adding to the fact Tottenham have had a very, very thin squad. Yeah. And I think that's what's no, starting to see that toll. I'm not buying it because people say Tottenham have a thin squad. But when you actually look at their depth, it's not bad. They have yeah, as of recent, players. as of this summer, obviously they've bulked up with Sessegnon, Lo Celso. But last season, we have to be honest, that squad was bare thin. I don't think so. But going back to your point, I just feel that this was the summer for Spurs to kick on. We saw it with Liverpool exactly a year ago. And Spurs came out and they made that statement signing Ndombele. And everyone was like, wow, like this is like equivalent mm-hmm. to a Fabinho kind of signing when Liverpool lost yeah. the Champions League final. They went out and made that statement straight away. But 
it was like an anti-climax. You ended up with Lacelso. Yeah, he's he's a good player. I haven't seen much of him, but he's been talked up to be a top player. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan Sessegnon, is that really going to elevate you to Man City's level or Liverpool level? I'm not entirely convinced. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Like, I think they're in a weird... It's it's difficult three games into the season to really analyse mm, it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. No, yeah. There's, there's like two incredibly mm-hmm. different narratives you can go with. One is Spur. It's the end of the cycles. It's all gone. It's it's you know they've run out of ideas. Mm. It's the same thing every week. They're really predictable. Uh, something's got to change. Um, they were really unconvincing on against new against Newcastle and the kind of like the potch buzz is over so that's like that's one way to look at it another way of looking at it is they've just signed Ces- you know they've done what they should have done last year they've signed Sessegnon they've signed La Celso they've signed Ndombele they've got basically Ndombele's probably the best young box-to-box midfielder in the world yeah. La Celso mm-hmm. is like a perfect replacement for Ericsson Sessegnon is the best young English fullback in the game add those three guys onto the team from last year you've got Deli Alli back it's, fit again you've got Kane back fit again and is, he, is he really? Do you think Sessegnon is the best young fullback? Oh, sorry, apart from Alexander-Arnold. Thanks for that. What about Ben Chilwell? How, he's probably old. Is he older than Sessegnon? Yeah, Sessegnon yeah, is still yeah. very young. Sessegnon is Chilwell really young. Sessegnon, I think, is like a 2000 birthday. So yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. 19, 18. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So that's like the other way of looking at it, is that like these new guys, plus if Kane and Ali are good again then all of a sudden there's like an exciting new Spurs team. And it could mm-hmm. go either way. And like the truth might well be somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. But the point is that like this early in the season, yep. it's hard to like make really, really firm judgments mm-hmm. about teams. And that like both those like narratives like might have some value to them. Also, the- also Jack, what I wanted to say is there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding Tottenham as well with the future of Ericsson. I mean, what's the murmurs inside the Tottenham camp? What do you think happens? Do you think Ericsson's going to stay or is he going to go? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. That's something that Pochettino spoke again about the other day um, after the Newcastle game. I mean, it's pretty clear that there's a big problem there. Like Eric's... And Yang Vertonghen as well. There's something yeah. going on there as well. So, like, Ericsson, you know, Ericsson... What Ericsson wants is to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Like, he's been very open about that mm. for a while. It's not even about money. It's about, you know, playing at the top, top level. Um, he The problem is... And he thought that one of those teams would buy him this year for, like, mm. 50, 60, 70, 80 million or whatever. But it didn't happen. Like they didn't want him. Those two teams didn't want him enough. But for Spurs' perspective, they've now got a player who doesn't particularly want to be there. He wants to move on. Spurs like Spurs don't really want someone there who doesn't want to be there, yeah. and they don't want to lose him for free because like the whole Spurs system is about not losing players for free mm-hmm. and selling them while you still can. Yeah. Um, so Spurs tried to sell him to Man United. And, you know, Spurs would be really happy if he'd gone to Man United because they don't have him still being there. They get the 50 million quid. But they don't can... they strengthen a rival, though? A direct rival? I think they're, they're better than you. I mean, that's a good point. That's, <laughs> that, that, that is a good point. Yeah. But nevertheless, they still wanted it to happen. Yeah. But it didn't happen. And now they're left in a position they never really wanted to be in with this guy who doesn't want to be there. They can't get rid of him. Ericsson's position is, well, if I can't get over Real Madrid or Barca now... I just want to sit here for a year, go as a free next year, get my choice of clubs, earn a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, like Spurs, are, is the, the problem is for Spurs, they're kind of powerless. Like they don't really have any power in this situation. And But Ericsson just like speaks to a bigger problem that the Spurs have, which is that in the last year or so, lots of the other players have thought, hold on a second, like I don't have to sign a new deal that Spurs want okay. me to sign. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Vertonghen or De Weirald. Danny Rose. Yeah, they've yeah, but been... I d- don't you think these are players that should be getting weeded out anyway? I mean, Vertonghen is 32. Uh, De Weirald is 30 plus. But they've been like the core of the team. For the yeah, but sometimes you've got to refresh. It's like Barcelona. You've got to refresh. That's, yeah, I, I agree with you in principle. You do have to refresh. But I think that like Vertonghen, you still got to keep Vertonghen in the team for me. I, I think Sanchez is better. I think Sanchez is the better defender. I know that will raise a lot of eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. It's controversial because there seems to be this attachment from Spurs fans to Vertonghen. And, yeah. exactly, and yeah. there's not really that much of a, in my opinion, big differential between Vertonghen and Sanchez. Mm. Yes, Vertonghen's provided them with some great memories, but Sanchez, he's I know he's got his man. flaws. Really, some, he's mm. prone to the odd mistake, but he's still a relatively yeah. I'm more scared to play against Sanchez when when I'm when I'm watching Liverpool versus Tottenham when Sanchez is starting I'm like because oh, you know he's aggressive speed, he's fast yeah, yeah. recovery pace and I think Vertonghen I think he's probably I think he's pretty overrated in my opinion so Jack so the, the choice for uh, Poch to start Sanchez over um, Vertonghen do you put that down to purely him feeling like uh, um, Sanchez is a better choice at the moment or do you think the whole contract situation has a a part to play in that as well? I think I think it has to be in part to do with the future it has to Mm. be to do with which of these guys is going to be here next year Mm. and Sanchez is you know Sanchez spent a lot of money on Sanchez he's still very young he's going to be there next year unless they want to get rid of him uh, and that means you've got to try and build around the younger players, I mm. think. Whereas Vertonghen, it's like he's been there a long time now. Mm. I don't know. You know, he hasn't signed a new deal. He might want to leave next year. There's talk of him going back to Ajax or something. Uh, and maybe that's why he thinks that he wants to go with a younger player. I mean, honestly, I actually disagree with what <laughs> he was saying about Vertonghen. I think Vertonghen <laughs> is miles better than Sanchez. I actually wow. have big reservations about Sanchez which is mainly that <laughs> I don't think he's any better than he was when he joined like he's been there two years I think he's the same player yeah but defenders they peak later on that's it, true Varane yeah. is still making mistakes he's one of the best defenders in the world but how long was he at Real Madrid until he got to that elite level yeah. but he I mean Sanchez makes a mistake every game that's I think why that's a, I think that's a bit hard. I think there's a bit of a stigma around him. Just people feel that he's rash, but there's an emotional attachment to Vertonghen and Alderweireld. Let's let's face it. To be mm. honest, yeah, and you know that seems to be clouding a lot of Spurs fans' judgment. In my opinion, I know you cover them <laughs> yeah. week in week out, so you probably be better versed than me to give an opinion on the two players. But Jack, I want to go back to the point that you made, saying that it's too early to make a conclusive statement on Spurs. But I think this is a bigger problem because. It's four wins from 15. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. that's wrecking up, like, similar numbers to what's happening at Old Trafford. And there hasn't been a spotlight on Poch. Um, and I feel that this is a trend that may continue throughout the season because when I look at Spurs, they're not dynamic enough. Yeah. Let me just buttress that point before you respond to that, uh, Jack. So, um, basically, the, 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 the four games that they've won in, um, in the Premier League out of the last 16 have been against Brighton, Palace, Huddersfield and Villa. Um, and Bud, if, if you're not beating these teams, like, yeah. you've, got, you've got no Let's chance of making top in mind ten. that that big, huge Champions League run has coincided yeah, with that. That's true, yeah. I'm not entirely con- I think that's a good excuse to use to hide mm. behind a bigger problem. Excuse. I think there's a bigger mm. problem at Tottenham. Mm. I don't think Pochettino's happy. He keeps coming out saying that, oh, I'm not happy. My team are not in a good position. And this is not like Poch. Mm. No, I think the Champions League, you have to bear it in mind with such a thin squad, particularly last season. This season, 
I won't really judge it because we're only three games in and to form an opinion after three games, I think it's premature and, you know, you've got to let them, you know, develop. So, Jack, just finally, do you feel Tottenham get into the top four, yes or no? Uh, if I had to guess, I'd still just say yes because I'm really not sold on Chelsea or Man United <laughs> or Arsenal for that matter. I think mm. it's... But despite that, I do have like generally pretty pessimistic vibes about Spurs at the moment off the back of Sunday. Sorry, lastly, so do you see as a top two, then Spurs, then the rest, or do you see as a top two, then the rest juggling out for a top That's four? A great question. So I used to see it as top two, then a gap, then Spurs, then a gap. I now see top two, then a massive gap, and then... Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Anyone? Yeah, just, just, just to intervene, why why was it like that? Because you say top two, then Spurs, but Spurs finished fourth last season. Yeah, but I, that's true. But I kind of at the start of this season, I just assumed that they would be better than Chelsea this year. Okay, because of Hazard mainly, Hazard, yeah. Lampard, you know, various different circumstances at Chelsea. Mm. I was like more confident about Spurs in relation to their rivals. Whereas now, three games into this season, I'm thinking, actually, you know what? Spurs are going to be down in the mix. Mm. Cool. And so I, I, just, I just had a, a, a real, really uh, quick one I wanted to ask that was going through my mind just now. So with everybody fit in that Tottenham squad, what would your, um, your starting eleven be? We definitely also, know that Sanchez and, right. and, and also, and also, I think this is interesting as well because in a, in a recent press uh, conference, Poch mentioned that the you know the the the, the signing um, uh, Lacelso was quite some way off being where they expect him to be. Um, but obviously, you, you sign a player you know with the, the price tag attached to, to to him, you expect him to start mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you know, if, if everyone's up to speed, yeah. if everyone's up to speed and everyone's uh, fully fit, what what would your starting eleven be? Right, that's a really good question. Um, ooh, I need to think about what formation. Um, okay, so I'm going to play a kind of lopsided 4-2-3-1. I'm going to play Loris. Mm-hmm. Then my back four, my left back is going to be Sessegnon. Mm-hmm. So I think when he gets mm-hmm. fit, I'd have him ahead of Rose. Mm-hmm. Like I love Rose. I think he's been a great player for Spurs, uh, especially over the last few years. I don't think he's been quite the same player since his knee injury. Uh, and I think Sessegnon could give them a bit of pace and width that they've kind of lacked a little bit. Mm-hmm. Centre-backs for Tongan and Alderweireld. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they leave, they're their best two centre-backs. Yeah, I agree with that. Right-back. Uh, I don't think either the right... any of the, They've got three right-backs, none of them are very good. Aurier. Aurier, <laughs> uh, uh, no. Kyle Walker-Peters, probably no. no. Not convinced. Juan Foy, not a right-back. I like him. I'd probably go... It would depend on the opposition. Against a good team, I'd go for fourth. Against a team where you're going to attack, I'd have Walker-Peters. Right, okay. Uh, my midfield two, I'm going to go Winks and Ndombele. Mm. I think you've got to have Winks. He keeps the play ticking. Uh, and Ndombele, I think, is a really, really exciting player. Mm. I love watching him. Uh, I think he's going to be great when he gets settled. Um, then my three, in front of those two, I'm going to go with Son, Deli Alley, and Ericsson. Uh okay. Son, like Son on the left, maybe isn't his nat- most natural position, but you still got to get him on the pitch. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing finisher. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely deadly. Oh. Really, really clever. Mm-hmm. Great on the counter. 
Ali not had a great season last year, but I think the thing about Ali is I think you you got to play him as close to Kane as possible. Yeah. You got to play like Ali's best season, sixteen seventeen, when he scored I think eighteen Premier League goals. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was basically playing as a second striker, wasn't he? He was playing mm-hmm. right up close to Harry. You know, getting in the box, runs to far post, headers. He's not really a midfielder, I don't think, Ali. He's one of those weird players where he's not a number 10 because he doesn't have the attributes to be a number 10, but he's not a striker. He's of the mode of the Griezmanns and the Ballers. He's that type yeah, yeah. of player that's even, the player as close Thomas as possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Thomas like, Muller, I've always compared them. Totally. The, the two that come to mind for me are Griezmann and Muller. Okay. He's like... And then you don't really know what his position is, but you just want him on the pitch because yeah. he's got that skill like Wheatsman and Muller have, which is mm. like, he just kind of sniffs where the ball's going to be. Right place, he knows right he's going to bounce. Yeah. He's going to pull off the far post and head it in. He's going to dart to the near post and, mm. and like kind of get a toe end on it or just flick mm. it. Like he's got that kind yeah, of like instinctive instinct, yeah. skill. That can't be taught. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's, it's all natural. like kind yeah. of innate to Delhi. Mm. And that's why he's so, he can be frustrating when it doesn't come off. But he can also like, he'll get you goals that other players won't score. Yeah, but Jack, I think the problem with, you know, Tottenham fans and a, and a lot of viewers of Delhi Ali's game is that they feel that when he's not scoring, he's not contributing. Exactly, exactly. You know, that's totally true. Like that, that's like, I think that's a really legitimate criticism of mm. Delhi. But it's like, and that's why I think he doesn't work so well in midfield because he's not really a, like, it's not like a, it's not really like a conventional midfielder, is mm. he? Um, but I do think you've got to have him on the pitch. Then my, my third guy in that front three is either Ericsson or Lacelso, depending on who, you know, how like mentally switched on Ericsson is, how mm. settled Lacelso is. I think they need one of those two because you need to have a player who can pick a pass. Of course. Yeah. They're the only yeah. two guys who can do that. Delhi, it's not really Delhi's game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I think when Spurs don't have an Eric's, don't have Eric's, and they really miss him, and that's why I think Lacelso will be really, really important and exciting, uh, because he's the guy who can like take a touch, see the run, mm. play the through ball, and then obviously Harry Kane up front. Cool. So that's All my right. team. Interesting. Fine. Okay. So I think we're going to round up on 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 Spurs now. Um, I think it'd also be interesting for us to get a bit of an overview of the uh, the rest of the weekend's fixtures. Um, I I can see both Dot and <laughs> just staring a hole Jack, into me at the Jack, moment. You, you don't, they, you, uh... you, you wouldn't believe what he tried to do. He tried to put Liverpool last on the running order because he supports Arsenal. No, and not today, but you're not having it. Missing all week in action. Yeah, he's not being responding I, I, I to calls. He's not been responding to WhatsApp. Guys, um, after that result. But of course, can I just go in? Can we just go in? Let's go in. Liverpool 3-1 at home to Arsenal. What are your thoughts on the game, guys? Well, it was an interesting game. I mean, Unai Emery, you know, played a diamond. This was not rough diamond. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this was not to be expected, you know, because Liverpool's attacking play comes through their fullbacks, Mm. Robertson and Trent. They're their most creative players. So they were the attacking outlets. And it was a bit weird because... Klopp said after the game that he wasn't expecting this. Mm-hmm. And he could almost see in Robertson and Trent's play that they were kind of overthinking the cross because mm-hmm. normally they're used to the instinctive, you know, one touch, then cross. But this time they had to touch, touch, a bit touch. More time. Mm-hmm. Then obviously for the strikers, that's a bit unsettling. And then there starts to like be like a sort of pressure that oh, I have to deliver now because mm-hmm. we're the keys to this game. Mm-hmm. Whereas when they're just doing it naturally, that's when they put it on the money but they, as, you, as you were saying yeah yeah so yeah before yeah let me continue so as I was saying um, yeah to be fair that Arsenal tactic was working mm-hmm. I mean we saw some breaks I mean Adrian scuffed the clearance if a Bamiang scores that chance then all of a sudden yeah. you're thinking Unai yeah. Emre who yeah, he's putting exactly. a masterclass Henderson makes a blunder I disagree 
Well, why do you disagree? I don't think that tactic worked. I feel the game was always going to, you know, be like that in terms of that. Yeah, like, come on, Arsenal have come with a plan. It doesn't mean that it worked because it successfully worked for 40 minutes. Yeah, I of mean, course. No matter what happened, no, no matter no what point, happened Liverpool were going to win that yeah, game. At no but point in me, that game was I worried. or was thinking, wow, like, this is, this is a difficult game. It was only a matter of time. You can't defend that deep for that long. It just... It's, it just doesn't work. Yeah, but for me, at least it shows your manager's thinking. Yeah. I think, yeah. as an Arsenal fan, that mm-hmm. would be solace to you that you know yeah. that you know Unai Emery he came with a plan. Yeah. In another day, Aubameyang scores that scuff clearance. Mm-hmm. Pepe could score that, you know, one on one. Yeah. And all yeah, of a yeah. sudden, goals change games. Absolutely. And to be fair to Emery, none of Liverpool's goals came from that real wide threat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of them individual came from errors, yeah, mainly. individual errors from David Luiz mm-hmm. and. I think obviously Liverpool are streets ahead of Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Let's not yep. be mistaken. You don't you feel that that was part of the wear and tear process? Um, the second penalty, you just physically you're gone. David Luiz, yeah, I think, yeah you mentally you checked, yeah, checked out. Yeah, you, you checked, checked out. I was thinking this is tough. Like, and when when it gets tough, you start doing things like that, pulling people back. And I think that was just a culmination of all the wing play that Liverpool were using throughout the whole game and eventually David Luiz couldn't hack it he broke down yeah but also <laughs> when you when you think about it if Arsenal scored I know mm. it's an if but if they scored that changes the game not, the whole not, dynamic not, of the game not necessarily there. I just think that Liverpool had so many more levels to go up in I remember we saw it last season Arsenal went 1-1 and we all know how that oh, ended yeah yeah 5-1 yeah, 5-1 humiliation so this Liverpool team are so good they can pick their moments they're going to say from 55 to 60 minutes we're going to kill this game and, and that's that yeah but to be fair to Arsenal what I would say I would applaud Emre I know Emre is getting some daggers but yeah. for me as long as you can see a manager come with a plan and we could all see that I yeah. mean we've Absolutely. seen greater teams Barcelona came last season and we saw that 4-0 the manager came with no plan and identity. Yeah. So, I, what, so know, Bud, they lost I, the fight, but, you know, they can win the war in a few yes. years down the line. So, so Bud, you're telling me that you're happy. You've been an Arsenal fan for 27 years and you're mm. telling me you're happy to go to Anfield and put eight defenders in the box as an Arsenal fan that's been used to fantastic football. You're telling me you're happy with that. Okay, so what, <laughs> what I will say is this, right? For me, mm. knowing the strength of that Liverpool team... Mm. And the teams that you've blown away at Anfield, right? No, most notably, uh, recently, Barcelona, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, Edge. And given the results that have that we've suffered in recent years at Anfield... The scar tissue for, that you've accrued, me, yeah. 100%. <laughs> for me, I just wanted to see an improvement on, uh, on, on, on most recent performances. So I already had conceded that we weren't going to win that mm-hmm. game. But it was just the manner in which the, we, we lost that, that was important for me. Yeah. And at the start of the game, looking at um, the tactics that um, Emery deployed, I, I actually couldn't fault him. I know that he um, has come under a lot of scrutiny recently because he's, he's, he's seen to be over uh, um, pragmatic sometimes mm-hmm. in his approach. But with his starting formation, I could see exactly what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. The only difference I think I would, have, I, would have, I would have made is I probably would have started Torreira over Xhaka just so that we have a bit more mobility in yeah. that midfield. Um, of course, coming up against your midfield, who are f- full of energy, full of running, mm-hmm. you need to ha- you need to be able to match that level of intensity. And I think, in hindsight, th- you know, th- th- I guess with, 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 when you're playing against Liverpool, it's either you're going to get overrun in the midfield or you're going to get overrun out wide. So the only yeah. thing that Emery could have done, uh, aside from what he did, was maybe play a four-five-one. 
so that we still have the midfield three and we also have the cover wide. I think that would have been the better option. I think that, that probably would have been a better option. But mm. at the start of the game, I thought, you know what? Uh, you know, fair, fair play to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just want to shine a spotlight on Nicolas Pepe. Mm. I mean, I think he's Arsenal's record by and mm. people were overhyping his performance for me. I mean, there was a moment <laughs> where I think Gary Neville was saying, oh, look at Van Dijk. You don't see yeah, him doing yeah. that, but... I think as a new player coming into the league, you're downloading data. You're thinking, hmm, this yeah. guy's got speed. He's got trickery. You know, let me stand off. Let me analyse him. Mm. And <laughs> to be honest, I know he got past Robertson a few times, but ultimately I'm judging a player on his end product. Of course. And yeah. his finishing left a lot to be desired. I, been, I, I agree with that, you. That shot, big moments, big players. Mm. If you're of that level, you finish those. Last season, he scored, what, 22 plus goals mm. in the season. And... People for that hefty price tag, I'm expecting a tier one player. I I I, I, I for, completely understand where you're coming from. For Dave. me, the tier one players are Salah, Mane, Sterling. Mm. Tier mm. two, you go for like Sane's. Yeah. For me, Pepe's on the verge of that tier two, tier three player. And I think <laughs> as an I, Arsenal yeah. fan, you should be expecting <laughs> more you know from what? your record. I, I, I will say two things to that. The first thing is when you've um, gone away from home and you've lost five one, four one, three one. You know, sometimes you just you, you just learn to celebrate the little wins, you know? No, nah, boys, that's <laughs> the little wins. Know, I'm not the, buying the, that, boys. The, the Come first on. player to, to dribble past um, Van Dyke. Uh, Van Dyke. Is that what we're celebrating? You know, celebrate the little wins. Uh, that, that's the first thing. Mm. Secondly, I, I completely agree with you on, on, on his end product. I, 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 I was quite disappointed with 22 it. goals and, last and season. Absolutely. And the thing is, I've, I've actually mentioned this to other, um, to other Arsenal fans. Um, who actually thought that I was being overly critical about it. And I said, honestly speaking, his end product has to be much, much better. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was just in that Liverpool game. In the games that, even though he's come on as a sub and had little cameos here and there, I, I, I see that there is definitely a lack. Maybe he's snatching at the chances, you know, but I, I guess it's, 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 it's too early now for, for, for us to... I- to, to, rule, to rule him out and, and put him in a bracket. I think he's got a, a commentize to the league a bit more. So you don't think he's tier two, tier three? I, think, he's, I, think, I think he's going to be a very important player for Arsenal once he's a commentize yeah. to the league. Lastly, before we move on, I want to ask the question to Jack. Who's the better player, Pepe or Saha? Uh, I don't know enough about Pepe. Mm. I'm really sorry. I just mm. don't... I don't want to... I don't want to say because I've never... Never seen him play in the flesh. Never really seen him play that much for Lille. Tried to research an article on him and struggled a bit to find, <laughs> any, to find anything out about him. Yeah. It was like emailing his old club in France, being in Lille and Angers, being like, hey guys, I'm trying to do an article about Pepe. Is mm. anyone who can speak to me about him? And nobody ever got back to me. Mm. So I'm a bit of a... I don't know anything about Pepe, basically. So what did you think about the game? Did you catch any of it all? Uh, I kind of like half-watched it, but not very serious. I... I've seen a bit of the highlights. Um, one thing I do think about your discussion earlier about Emery, it's like, you know, everyone used to hammer Wenger because they go to Anfield with these difficult away games. So they wouldn't have a plan. Yeah. They'd be just, it would always be like guys just go and play a natural game. Yep. And now and they've got a manager away. who's like, you know, I know they lost, but they've got mm. a manager who's like, for this particular game, these are the strengths of the opposition. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to do to mm. try and counteract that. And like maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work. That's my point. But at least they're going in with uh, with a, an intelligent game plan for Absolutely. this particular opponent. And like Arsenal haven't done that for years. And well, this is it. And, 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 and ultimately, is, that, at the end no, of the day, no, 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 the boys. goals came 
primarily oh, from individual errors. Come on, that's lazy yeah. analysis. That, it, that I, doesn't I matter it, because it, it would have came another way. It was always going to come. Oh, you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, really. You can't categorically say that. It's not even but You conceded three goals. You lost the game. It's just a simple. Yeah, but the plan was working. Forty-one minutes. Working. It was working. We have to be honest. It was. a game of ninety minutes. Football's a game of ninety minutes. Trent Arnold came out at the end of the game. The manager said at halftime, guys, like, just play your normal game. Henderson exploited the right. Mane overlapped the fullbacks and the goals are going to come. And ultimately, the goals came. But to say his plan, his plan certainly did have yeah. an effect. And from an Arsenal, I'll go by Arsenal yeah. fan. You thought it was okay. Yeah, yes, I you did. lost. You lost the fight. Mm. But there's plenty wars ahead. So mm. that's it. Cool. All right. Let's let's move on then. I think there are some a few other very uh, interesting games um, at the weekend. Uh, one that was particularly interesting was uh, United's performance at home to Palace. Poch saved Mind- him this week. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, though, I I saw some I saw a stat recently, and I was looking at some of the um, the teams that Palace have turned over mm-hmm. in the top six since 2017. They've pretty much won away at every yeah. top, top I saw, uh, six mm, club. I saw something that. In the last 17 games, only Liverpool and Man City have accrued more points than Palace. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. Interesting. That, that, that is very interesting. I think since February the 2nd. Mm. So, so does that then soften the blow no. a little bit for, no, no, for no, no, United no, no, no. losing 2-1 uh, two, two, at home? No, 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 no. What's, the, what's their record? Three wins in 15? Yeah, I don't know. I think so. Maybe. 20% <laughs> win ratio. Uh, yeah. Like, Man United are in trouble. Like... After the Chelsea game, they won 4-0. And I was thinking, like, why is everyone saying that, like, Man United are back? Harry Maguire is going to be the best thing since Van Dijk. I'm just thinking, hold on. Like, that was an easy game to play against Chelsea. It's the first game of the season. You're at Old Trafford. There's no way you shouldn't be winning that game. Chelsea are not the Chelsea that we all know. They don't have Eden Hazard. Mm -hmm. They were playing a lot of youngsters. You should be putting them to the sword. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, when I look at Man United, they just... They're void of ideas. Like, when I look at the team, if Pope is not creating, there's nothing really there. Mm. People label Jesse Lingard as some sort of, like, goal-scoring midfielder, but he hasn't scored a goal in 2019. Um, like, in my opinion, this Man United team are weaker than what they were last season. Because wow. you've got to think about the players that have left and the... They might have not been the best players, but they were important to that Man United yeah, Lukaku. team. Lukaku. Lukaku. I said it. Fellaini. He's been one of their most consistent players over the past two years. I know he gets a hard time, but Lukaku delivers. He delivers in those kind of games against Palace. Fellaini, yeah, we don't like the way he plays, but bring him on and he can affect the game. And the Herrera, tireless midfielder that's gone. So in my opinion, they're actually and it's not, weak. it's not hit as well, you know, because there's obviously rumours about uh, Sanchez leaving how to go on loan to Inter. Yeah. How can they let Fred Sanchez be being, being, being be... courted by Fiorentina? So mm. that is quite worrying. To be fair, when we saw that lineup, you think potential banana skin. Mm, Palace yeah. are set up away from home to counter attack you with that Zaha, the pace. Schlup mm-hmm. was playing. Mm-hmm. IU had a brilliant game. Yeah. And we saw them, what, this or last season go up to the Etihad and turn them over. Mm. So we always knew, as Dot said, the game against Chelsea was kind of an easy game for them. You didn't really need any creativity. Yeah. You just simply win the ball, turn them over, run as fast as you can. The games <laughs> against Wolves and Palace, that's where you see what your team's about. Mm-hmm. That's where we see if you've improved. And, you know, the answer was they haven't really improved. I mean, David De Gea, this was one of the staple houses of Premier League football. One of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. Yeah, Making mistakes last minute. I mean... 
it doesn't bode well. I predicted for them to be in the top four, but the way they're going is is very unconvincing. Mm-hmm. And looking ahead to the game against Southampton, I won't be surprised if Southampton turned them over. Gosh, I'm, yeah, I'm really not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Would not be optimistic for Man United this season. Mm. Uh, I just. I just don't think that Solskjaer is a very good manager. I think that's kind of what it all boils down to. So where do you rate him in the yeah, Premier League? I know we've got a lot of <laughs> It's a really managers. good question. It's a really good question. So, like, one way of looking at it is, which Premier League managers do you think are better than Solskjaer? But then you realise, oh, it's, it's kind of quite a lot of them. Like, <laughs> uh, Pochettino, oh, Guardiola, Klopp, Emery, Rogers, Nuno... Pellegrini. Silver, Pellegrini. <laughs> so then you think, well, which Premier League managers are worse than Solskjaer? Like, I don't know. We were talking about this earlier off air. Can you ne- who? Which Premier League managers do you not think are as good as Solskjaer? Not, not, not honestly, Bruce. No, 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 no. You guys are going to say Steve Bruce, but you can make an argument that Steve yeah. Bruce is better than Solskjaer. Like, Maybe, oh, but Solskjaer. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if Steve Bruce could win the Norwegian League. With Mulder. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a go, Brucey. Go and give it a go. Uh, But aside from those two, it's like, aside from Bruce, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I mean, Farker, we don't really know that much about, but he obviously did really well with Norwich last season. Mm -hmm. Like, getting promoted, if you get, if you get Sheffield United, Norwich City promoted out of the championship, I think that's a bigger achievement in management than anything Solskjaer has done. Yeah, where, 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 Farker mm. and Wilder are better managers than Solskjaer. Mm. (laughs) Where my problem is, I'm tired of of the same, you know, recycled quotes from Oli. It's always, yeah, we need to play with Man United. Let's play the Man United way. And I'm like, I want to learn from you. Like, I want to hear analysis. I want to see how you can improve in the midfield combinations. But it's always these cliche, rubbish excuses that I hear all the time. And it's just driving me It just drives me up the wrong way, honestly. Yeah, oh. I've been Ollie's biggest advocate on this platform about mm. giving him time, but I think now it's about time he has to deliver. Mm. Although, in my opinion, you know, Ed Woodward hasn't given him the best possible tools to be able to do his job. If you look at the Man United squad, they're, you know, they're skin, they're Dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dead, I, I know they're saying Ollie's at the wheel, but Ollie's crashed at the wheel. He's crashed. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we, we have to be honest, he's a man that's out of his depth, and Man United need to. They need to put him out of his misery. Yeah, and the problem is they can't, they can't really get good players anymore. And the, yes. player they, the guy they really wanted this summer was Jaden Sancho, and Jaden didn't want to go. Yeah. Like he just didn't want to go to United. He he'd rather do another year at Borussia Dortmund and then yeah. see what's on the, what's on offer for him next year at the end of this season. So do you think that happens, Jack? Eventually, I think Sancho. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that Sancho will probably go and probably come back to the Premier League next year. I mean, he might go somewhere, you know, I mean, Real Madrid and Barcelona and PSG will like him. Mm. Um, you know, United with a Premier League team who wanted him most last year. I don't think it's inconceivable he could go, he could go back to City. I don't think he actually needs to move, you know. Well, I, mean, I don't he's know. Still, how old is he, 19? 19, 20. He's just about 20, to get a bumper yeah. deal from, from, yeah. from Dortmund yeah. and be one of the, you know, the highest paid players there. Yeah, I don't think he needs now. to go yet. I think he could easily, because he's so young, Jaden, like mm. he's born in 2000. Uh, he could do another few. He could do another few years there. I think for the sake of like his career, he'll probably want to go to like a top top team mm. in the next year or two. But you're right; he's not in a rush, and that's mm. why he could turn down United this year. Yeah, he didn't yeah. have to get rushed into going to Man United this year because he knew. I know that Jaden knew it wasn't really the right environment mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. What? So yeah, th- yeah, what I was going to say is, um, Paul Pogba. What do you think happens with him? The window in Europe closes September the second. 
is he gonna get his move? I know it looks unlikely, but what's your what's your take on I'd that? I'd be really surprised if he goes this week or this season. Um, I just don't. I mean, I know that you know Zidane wanted him at Real Madrid, but you know they've bought Hazard. They're trying. You know, they're interested in Neymar. It's it's probably not going to happen. Mm. I think he'll you know he'll do he'll do another season at United clearly, and mm. then have another think from there for next season. But it's yeah. I I mean Pogba's a difficult one, isn't it? Because everyone's got an opinion about him. Oh, of course. I think as ever, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I'm not. I'm probably more like pro Pogba than anti Pogba. Okay, I think yeah, the Pogba yeah. stuff winds me up a bit. Sorry, the anti Pogba stuff winds mm. me up a bit. I don't. That said, I don't. You know, he's not been great. He's been at United three years now. He's I not agree. been great. I agree. Uh, I think he could be so good because he's so. He's like the most uniquely talented player yeah, in the world. Yeah. Do you think that's well, due to so, the players yeah. that? surrounding him the necessary poor Pogba maybe I mean I think it, it's not a great environment to be in mm-hmm. like the uh, other players around him aren't great he had Mourinho who I don't think is very good with younger players mm-hmm. with the with the younger generation of players Mourinho could never really get through to Pogba he couldn't get the best out of him but I kind of think despite all of that there is part of me that says you cost 89 million pounds you won the world cup You've got to take some responsibility for your own performances. Yep, yep, yep. It can't just be you don't like Jose, you don't like your teammates, and the, the people aren't good enough. Like if you're a really, really top player, you do take responsibility for yourself, and you improve the players that are playing. Yeah, around. and I just don't think he does. I don't think he takes people with him. Mm-hmm. Fair point. That's interesting. I think another really interesting uh, uh, result at the weekend was um, Villa beating uh, Everton two 0 at home. And I think it's particularly interesting because we saw just how heavily um, Everton invested in the in the summer. You know the the amount of players that they brought in. They you know the players that were there on loan, like Andre Gomez, they signed him up yeah. on a you know permanent now, um, and all the rest of it. So it's like, and I, and I remember saying at the, at the start of the at the start of the season, I said there was a there's a, a crop of teams that I really back to do well this season, and 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 Everton were in that mix as well as West Ham, as well as Leicester and Wolves. Um, but for some reason, it just doesn't seem like things are. You know, ha- well, things have, certainly haven't uh, gone off to a good start for Everton. What do you think? Um, I think they've had a decent start. Again, but it's three I, games. Yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah. Well, this, but, is, this is this is this is the boys, thing, right? That, that game is Everton. <laughs> that result. <laughs> no, that yeah, is Everton yeah. Football Club. They've mm-hmm. started off with four points. They had the opportunity to put down a mark and go first in the league for the night. I predicted them to lose and they lost. <laughs> That's Everton ingrained in their culture. So you don't think there's anything that we need to look into too deeply about it? Is no, it, I is think it, is it just. Uh, again, I think Everton uh, are where Everton. I think Everton or... are where Everton should be. I don't think they're better than Leicester. Personally, but shouldn't I, I they see, be beating? They should uh, be. Uh, Aston Aston should be beating. Not, 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 not when, necessarily. When I'm judging it, I'm looking at Aston Villa whole tend. I think. Aston Villa have assembled a decent squad. It was a game that I thought Aston Villa would win as well. Mm. I mean, I'm happy that Aston Villa are back in the league. They're one of like the staple houses of the Premier League. I like their ground, mm. you know, Villa Park. It's mm. one of the, you know, stalwarts of the Premier League. And I think Everton's problem extends to lack of goals. I think during pre-season, I think they scored like a paltry amount. <laughs> yeah. And when you look at their strikers, who's going to get you goals? Calvert-Lewin? Not really convinced. Moise Keane, he's a young lad from Italy. He hasn't really proven himself. Mm. You know, St. Tosson, he's been frozen out. He doesn't make the squad mm. anymore. So, 
Everton, they're at the level where they can't attract the top, top players. So they're going to have to, you know, shop in like tier three, tier mm. four. <laughs> and again, like, if you want to close that's the gap. That's how you sign a world be for 40 million. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, that was desperate. <laughs> they wanted Zaha, so they thought, you know what, let's make a statement. Let's chuck the cash. And obviously, yeah. time will tell. Again, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm reticent to judge after, you know, three games. Yeah, yeah. You want to see, you know, a longer time. But yeah, typical Everton. I, yeah, I, it's a lot of pressure on Marco Silva because this is his second season. He's had a lot of, you know, he's had a bit of time now. They have spent a lot of money, but mm. I'm just, I don't know. You, <laughs> I'm they just give not you this feeling. Yeah, 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 I just think, I completely agree with it. I think Leicester are better. I think Wolves probably are better, although the Europa League might kill them a mm. bit. Mm. Um, Everton, you know, they want to get top six, they want to get top four, but you'd be surprised, wouldn't you? You'd be really, really yeah, surprised. Yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't be that surprised if they come like eighth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And if they come eighth, they don't really see how Silver can stay. Yeah, I think Marcel Brands will be looking at a new a new manager if they mm-hmm. come eighth. Yeah. I think, you know, just in in summary, I think the, the happiest man certainly is going to be Jack Grealish because he finally managed to put uh, yeah. uh, an end to uh, his, his Premier League oh, yeah, 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 yeah. streak. I think it was, was it 19 games in a row? Yeah. Yeah. I even saw that he, um, he tweeted. He tweeted. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> just absolutely relieved yeah. that he finally managed to do that. Um, another one of uh, the Premier League n- uh, new boys, uh, Norwich, uh, lost at home to, to Chelsea um, uh, 2-3. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, it's quite interesting um, you know the the performances that Norwich have been putting in. Mm. Um, it looks like there's 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 goals in that team, especially mm. with uh, Timu uh, Puki up mm. top. Um, they they play with a, a certain confidence. Um, mm. And but yeah, I, is, I guess what I wanted to just is it only me? On but do we all agree that Chelsea played well that game? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They played. Yeah, well. they played. I think they played well. I I was I wasn't really watching. Sorry. <laughs> so okay. So. <laughs> At least two of you yeah, can agree, yeah. Yeah, and and you're having a life and death with Norwich. So, to me, I think that's an indictment <laughs> to where to where Chelsea actually are. That yeah, they're going to play well in games, but they're going to end up conceding two and three. And, and we saw it with Man United in the first game; they played well for thirty minutes. Man United hit them for four. <laughs> no, no one cares really about that thirty that, minutes. Because I think it's um, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced on. What's his name? Christensen. Yeah, not Christensen. Zuma. Zuma. Yeah, I'm not He's, entirely yeah. convinced. I, I think after that nasty injury that he picked up, he hasn't really been the same. Mm. But I just think, big up Tammy Abraham. I'm really, really yeah, happy yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah. That's a, the that's a way you respond to, to what he's been yeah, li- Literally, so I'm, I'm proud of him to get the goals. I think, Mason Mount, I think he's an a, a amazing yeah, talent. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of him. I see... He's that kind of, I don't want to jump the gun or you know people are probably going to call me crazy, <laughs> but he's that kind of De Bruyne type of player where he's not the best dribbler, but he can you know cover ground on the pitch and he's got amazing technique to, mm, to strike shoots, a football. Yeah, you know it's going to end inside yeah, the back yeah, of the net. He's but got a great technique, both feet as well. If yeah. I was analysing that game, I mean, you know what? Lampard has been, in that game, he's been vindicated going for the youth. I mean, he's put faith in Abraham and Mount. And when you look at their Premier League goals this season, who scored the goals? Mount and Abraham. So that was a game coming into it. Abraham was under a lot of pressure because mm. from outside voices, they're basically saying, you know what, Norwich are champions, championship <laughs> team. Mm. So if you can't score against them, who can you score against? And I have to say, his two finishes, like, ooh, that half volley very was a sweet, yeah. very, very good. I love so, the second goal, man. Yeah, 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 yeah the way he yeah, just yeah. touched it and he just whipped it in. But again, I'm always 
I don't like judging, you know, teams when they're playing at newly promoted home ground because it's a jumpy atmosphere. Mm. But the early indications from Frank Lampard is that he's going to play this open and attacking game. And some games against better teams, he's going to come up short. Of course. And yeah, that's my analysis. I don't think they're good enough to, to finish in, in the top four from... I know they've got players to come back, but the players that are coming back, they're not proven. Hudson Adai, he's not proven. Kante is a Yeah, obviously big, yeah, Kante. Ruben um, Loftus Cheek. I'm yet to be convinced. I know Chelsea yeah. fans talk him up as this next generational talent, but I'm not too sure. Mm. And to be honest, Rudiger, he was rocky at the end of last season, so I don't think he's a massive upgrade on what they already have. You don't think so on Christiansen and Zoom? I think he's a massive, massive upgrade. I think he's a top well, defender. He's like mm. in the top, I would say, five to So would you put defenders. him in tier one, tier two, like in terms of... <laughs> I'll put him in tier two. Obviously, you've got your Van Dykes, your, you know, Laporte's. Mm. Then below that, you've probably got the, you know, aging legs of all the real world. <laughs> then in the next tier below, I'll put Rudiger. Mm. Fair point. Okay. Um, so Leicester's, Leicester's 2-1 win away um, at Sheffield was was an interesting one. Uh, for me, mainly because, um, you know, I, it gave me an opportunity to look um, a bit more at uh, Sionku, oh, who, who is his, so, you know, and, and I think that's that's definitely poignant because they obviously sold uh, Maguire and I thought that it, it made sense for them to sign uh, Lewis Dunk from Brighton as his replacement, <laughs> right? It seemed like the, the natural thing for, for, for them to do. They didn't. And instead, decided to play um, to, to 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 go with with with, with Sionku. Budge, Brendan, what? what what a manager! Mm. I keep I say it on this podcast all the time. Mm-hmm. Brendan Rodgers is perfect for the Man United job. He's yeah. perfect for the Arsenal job. This guy, the thing I love about him is that when you see a Brendan team, you see the identity straight yeah. away. Yeah. And this Leicester team, honestly, they're gonna put teams to the sword, especially mm-hmm. at the the King Power Stadium. I'll be shocked if more than two of the top six get wins there. Really? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think more... they're going to really, really yeah, yeah. cause trouble to, to the top six. I, possibly I love, even Liverpool. I love watching them play. They're so they're aggressive. I love watching Madison. I think he's been, yeah. he's been an amazing signing there. Uh, I'm, I don't think he'll probably be there forever because I think he's, you know, he is an elite, elite player. Yeah. Uh, but they're really exciting. They've got a huge game, I think Saturday 21st September, Leicester against Spurs. Because that's exactly the kind of game that Spurs won't really want. If they're not in good form at <laughs> the moment, if they lose if they lose to Arsenal next Sunday and then they'll be going into the international break off a bad start. And I think Leicester are going to throw everything at them. And yeah, the way they play yeah. with all that pace and technical skill, I think that could be a really, really good, a really, really good contest. Yeah, I also think Leicester actually better away from home. And I mean, if we're analysing the game, I think Jamie Vardy broke a run of maybe 12 games without a goal. And you know, he used to play for Sheffield Wednesday as an academy player. Yeah, so yeah. it was giving the fans some stick. I love that celebration. Yeah, I love yeah, that it's very passionate. And I, I mean, love Harvey Barnes, mm. that volley. Whoa. What a yeah, strike. Great, I mean, you could see the you know net shaking to his foundations yeah. with that strike. So Leicester will go well. And, you know, Brendan Rodgers, I think this is the perfect gauge for us to assess what the, he's What was the bet that we had? I remember I said something about Brendan. What was the bet? That he will be the best of the rest, yeah? Yeah, I think you said they would... Finish, yeah, seventh. Okay, so we move. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah. They haven't done nothing yet. Three games in. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they could definitely one. finish. I think they could definitely finish like sixth or fifth. Like, there's no like Man United might be rubbish. <laughs> Chelsea might be rubbish. <laughs> Tottenham could have a bad season. Arsenal, like, wait and see. Mm. There's no reason that Leicester can't. Like, yeah. 
the sky's the limit, basically. Like a lot of those big six teams aren't that good. Mm. And if Leicester have a, if Leicester, if Leicester really nail it, and it looks like they're going to, then why not? Why, why yeah. can't they finish? Yeah, then with a the chance with like Wolves, Everton, oh, yeah, Leicester. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah, let's go. Okay, cool. Um, so I just wanted to move on. Now. I know there are a few other fixtures, but um, just in the interest of time, mm-hmm. I thought um, you know there are a few other things that we wanted to cover. Um, one which is definitely very timely, uh, given the fact that the deadline was today, um, is the future of uh, uh, Barry and, and Bolton. So obviously the uh, EFL gave them until five o'clock today to um, to basically secure the, the futures of their, their clubs. Um, and I think this is, like I said, I, I mean, it, it, it's a very important uh, topic because it's timely for one. But also because there are so many different things that are attached to it. To it, you know, when I when I think about this this particular topic, um, you know, both both these clubs are you know clubs with rich histories. Yep, you know, you yep, think, you yep. think about the players that have played for some mm-hmm. of these teams, like Bolton, for example. Um, you know how long they've they they they've they've been operating, um, and to and to think now, you know, these these teams. I think I I, I read earlier a statement from one of the administrators for for uh, Bolton, and he was saying basically that you know they could be um in you know uh, sort of filing and, and and doing all of the paperwork for administrator uh, administration as early as um tomorrow morning Wednesday wow. morning. Wow. Um. So you know, and and you you know you think about the effect that. The, the closing down of those clubs will have on the local communities. Mm-hmm. Think about the local businesses that, 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 you know, run based on the match day revenues yeah. and, and how, you know, the livelihoods of those people in those uh, communities are going to be affected. Um, and, and football in general. And then, and then, yeah, you know, sad. You sad. know it, mm. it is really, really sad. And, you know, there, there are a few sort of stats that I, I, I came across that I wanted to share with you guys as well. So actually the last time a professional club went bust, was uh, order shot in 1992, mm. um, and there is a prediction that 75 percent of lower league clubs um, could go out of business over the next half decade. So, of course, we're talking about uh, Barry and Bolton now, but you know, w- when we're sort of you know giving our, our views and opinions on this, I want also for us to think about the future of of the game for for these lower league teams, and you know what 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 can be done um, to to help. Um, or sustain these clubs. I think apparently there were there were a lot of telltale signs uh, for these clubs, and and you know it, it seemed as though it, you know they were on, they were on the brink of of, of, of you know head, heading down this path. Um, uh, but but you know ultimately the, the warning signs weren't weren't uh, adhered to, and and they find themselves in the position they're in at the moment. Can I can I interject? I just excuse my ignorance, but why is it that it's only in football that clubs don't do do diligence mm. so mm-hmm. i think that will stop this problem for example an owner can just come and say i've got this money and th- and literally they can take ownership of a club without no background check without no yeah how you're gonna pay over the like the next 10 years and i just feel that this is an issue in football i'm not sure if it's in other sports but in terms of football it I've seems seen it that rugby rugby's yeah. happened there's not enough background work when an owner comes into and a club to that point um dot Mm. Uh, just before we go to to you, um, Jack. So uh, apparently, eight months after the the Berry owner bought the club, mm. the EFL was still waiting for uh, proof and evidence that he could actually uh, <laughs> run run the club. Basically, I mean, they've introduced waiting. fit and proper tests, but it's, it shows that this system has failed. Yeah, I know yeah. Jack will probably know more because I've seen you write a few pieces about the the. Incident. Yeah, I agree that like I mean, there's a lot of different things here. One is that the 
these two clubs have been run really, really badly. Mm. Like they've been run, you know, the wrong people have bought them. They've fallen into the wrong hands. Uh, people have wasted money. They've thrown it away. And they've created kind of debts at the club, which, you know, which clubs can't really survive. But it's it's not just about that. It's also about the fact that it's harder and harder to be, it's harder and harder to be a football league club. Mm -hmm. Because the pressures to spend money are getting higher and higher and higher. Because Mm -hmm. wage inflation isn't just a problem in the Premier League, it's a problem in the Championship. And that Mm -hmm. means it's a problem in League One, and that means it's a problem in League Two. Mm -hmm. Like, even at Bury, they've got lots and lots, you know, they were playing, I think they were paying Jermaine Beckford like more than four grand a week or something. Like, you can't. It's really, really difficult, yeah, and yeah. you're not gonna you don't you're not gonna make that back in revenue what you're spending in wages. So mm-hmm. they're all running at a loss. Crazy. So every like yeah. every team, pretty much outside the Premier League, is losing money because it's spending more on wages than it gets in. Now, if you're going to be in that position, then you either need to be very, very rich, very, very successful, or very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. And Bolton and Berry, like I'm absolutely not blaming them for. For what's happened to them, because you should be like, just think about it. You should just because a team is badly run doesn't mean it should cease to exist. Mm. Doesn't mean it mm-hmm. should die just yeah. because you're badly run. And like, so it's a combination of like how structurally difficult it is to be a football league team, mm-hmm. plus the fact they've had the wrong people making bad decisions over the years. And to be honest, like a lot of other teams have come close to this in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we've seen, you know, there've been situations, particularly, and I think this is like, there's also like a regional element to this. Like it is harder if you're not in a big if you're not in a big city. Like team mm. teams in London and Manchester and Liverpool do find it slightly easier to. And I know Bolton, you know Bolton Berry are actually just outside Manchester as it happens. But like teams certainly in the south of England find it a bit easier to attract investment mm-hmm. and support. Like you know, Leighton Orient had a terrible owner who destroyed the club, but then they got new investment in and they got new owners, and now they're seemingly kind of back up on the rise again. But if you know, particularly in kind of small town clubs in the football league, mm. there's just a sense that like they've been a little bit left behind by like mm. the economics of football have made it incredibly difficult for them to operate, and you know they're they're now in a really tragic situation. And I can't like not the, the what's really what's really sad is like this is going to happen more often. Like yeah. in the next, this, you know, Bolton and Bury, if it's Bolton and Bury this time in a year or next year or the year after, it'll be other teams. Mm. It's really sad. So, I mean, I know uh, Dot alluded to it um, in, in, you know, in, in terms of uh, a more stringent uh, vetting process for, um, you know, the owners and, and, and takeovers of clubs and that kind of thing. Is, is that the way that things need to need, need to go? Is there anything else that can be done to avoid this happening in, in future? Or is it just, you know, a, a case that it, it's, it's inevitable, essentially, um... that... I think it has to happen. I think we do need more stringent tests because so many clubs have been taken over by absolute cowboys. Mm. Cow- mm. Cowboys and con men and fraudsters yeah. and yeah. you know they're only in it to make them to make themselves money or they lie about how much money they've got. And it's like this is a really really common problem and it's been happening in football since forever. Uh, and it's a, it's a big part of the problem, but it's also down to it's also down to the economics of the football industry. Like it's mm. also down to the pressure on clubs and the reality of how you know how much money is spent on wages, how little money they bring in, declining attendances, like there are, and you can't fix that with a fit and proper persons test. Mm. So a fit and proper persons test, like a proper one, as in one that is actually enforced and rigorous, and doesn't let anyone. It's not like you know, it's it's not like getting a TV license. It's got to be harder than that. But like you can't. Um, that's necessary, but it's not sufficient. There mm. has to be. We have to have a bigger rethink about. 
how we can support 92-team professional football system in this country beyond the issue of ownership, as important as that is. Mm. Cool. All right. That's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, it, it, is quite, it is quite sad to, to know that, you know, this is, this is happening to these, these two clubs and, and, as we mentioned, um, likely to happen to, to many more in, in the future. Um, let's just hope that, you know, there are more stringent tests put in place and, and other measures to, to try and avoid it, you know, um, uh, as much as possible, essentially. Um, I think another really, really interesting thing that we wanted to speak about um, you know, I, I know we mentioned it off air um, uh, that your your local club, Jack, is uh, Dulwich Hamlet. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I think it's quite fitting because uh, we had uh, the manager of the first oh, team, Gary, great, yeah, Gavin yeah. Rose, on on the podcast not too long ago. Um, and obviously now I think he's he's celebrating ten years yeah. uh, uh, being in charge. Um, so yeah, we just wanted a to quick summary. Yeah, yeah, yeah just a quick uh, a quick summary. I would also yeah. like to yeah. shout out Gavin. You know, yeah, I was yeah, right so, at the beginning yeah. of when they started the Spire. Mm-hmm. I remember I think he was doing some coaching for Beckenham, and I was in the Fisher Youth Team. So to oh. see him rise yeah. and to see how he's evolved is very very good, and I'm happy mm. for them. And you know, he's literally turned Dalich Hamlet around. Mm-hmm. When he first came in, there was dwindling attendances. Now on the weekend, or I think their last home game, they got maybe 2,000 plus. So, mm. you know, big shouts out to, you know, Gavin Rose, Junior Caddy and all of their yeah, staff. They're good, team. good people. Not just on the footballing side, mm. but in terms of, you know, developing people from that inner London area that yeah. could be, you know, could fall prey to like, you know, growing up with trouble. And, yeah, yeah. you know, big shouts out to them. Absolutely. Do you, do you get a chance yeah. to get down and, and, and see? Yeah, so I go, I, I go fairly often. So... Mm. I think this season I've probably been to three games so far. Uh, it sometimes clashes a bit with work, but I love going. I absolutely mm. love it. Um, so I went on Saturday where we lost 3-2 to Slough. Uh, it was kind of annoying because so like two and up at half time, but then weren't like you could tell that Slough were actually pretty good and yeah, a bit unlucky yeah. to be losing. And then they Slough got two goals right at the end uh, to win the game. But I'm pretty confident about this season. Mm. So they've got a lot of new players who actually look a little bit more a little bit more experience, a little bit more canny at kind of Conference right, South level, okay. which is something we kind of, the team kind of lacked last year. Mm. But it's like, it's really, really good fun. Like, I would totally recommend it to anybody yeah, yeah. who is in the South London area. It's it's a fun day out. It's a really, really nice, like, family-friendly, inclusive atmosphere. Mm. The football is really good. Like, they're a good yeah, team. Yeah. They try and play the right way. Like, you know, so I think a lot of people have maybe like preconceptions about non-league football yeah. thinking that it's all just kind of kick and rush pump football <laughs> yeah. it really isn't at yeah, all like these yeah. guys are really really good players like the two strikers that we now got Danny Mills so Danny Mills is like really really hard to defend against so really experienced this level Reese Alassani who was at Dulwich the season before last mm-hmm. and went to Coventry and has now come back on loan for a bit uh, he's a really really exciting player he's kind yeah. of stocky quick runs with the ball um and you know, of course, Norman Clunis, who you guys know, mm-hmm. uh, is like kind of local hero. Something like five, almost five hundred games to the he club. Was yeah. now as part of the academy. Really? Yeah, what was he like? Wow. Yeah, he's a nice, yeah, Nairon, nice guy. Yeah. Nairon's a top, top fella. Mm. Obviously, I used to play left back as well. So oh, in cool. training, you know, he used to skin me sometimes. <laughs> I used to get the better of him, but he's really, really down to earth. Mm. Again, he grew up in like maybe a tough area, yeah. but he was mentally strong enough not to fall prey to that. And he just loves his football. Yeah, yeah. you see lots of people at the games with like uh, Nairon Clunis, the King of Camberwell t-shirts, yeah. listing out all the hundred goals he scored for the club. Like he's, um, so in the program on Saturday, they listed like the number of, um, to mark the 10 years that Gavin Cads have been in charge. Like who's played the most, and Clunis is 
got the most appearances. I think so. I think about like four hundred and eighty, and the most yeah. goals, a hundred of anyone over that ten year span. Like Ga- what Gavin Cads have done for the club is absolutely incredible. Mm. They've got you know they're taking it up about three or four levels. They've completely transformed the club. They brought through so many good players, not only into the Dulwich first team, mm-hmm. but they've given them like a basis in the game. They've gone on to see, succeed elsewhere, some to a really high level. Yeah, yeah, like Ethan yeah. Pinnock. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ethan yeah, Pinnock's yeah, now yeah, yeah. just gone from Barnsley to Brentford. You know, it would be absolutely no surprise if Pinnock was playing the Premier League next year. Mm-hmm. And wow. he was playing for Dulwich like three years ago, three or four years ago. And Erhan. Uh, Erhan, uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah. Oh, what now, a player. Uh, Charlton. Charlton, yeah, 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 he's playing the Championship. Yeah. Uh, George Ellicobi, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's. Yeah, and lots of players. Even last, you know, from guys last year, like Michael Chambers has gone mm. to Wrexham. Uh, Nathan Ferguson's gone to Crawley, I think. Mm. Um, so they've, yeah, like what Gavin Cads have done for the club and for the local community is absolutely incredible. Like they, mm. they are. It it really takes your breath away what they have done for the local area. How much incredible hard work they've put in under really difficult conditions. Because let's not forget, like two years ago. Dulwich, like Dulwich Hamlet nearly died. Like they got, mm. you know, they got exiled. They ha- we had to go and play home games at Tooting and Mitcham, which is miles away. And fans, you know, obviously tenants dropped, and that affected mm. like the financials, like viability of the club. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of questions about whether or not they could survive. And they kept the team alive, and they kept them, and they kept them up. Like we, Dulwich didn't get relegated in a season where they didn't play a home game until Christmas. Like mm. you know, in their first season, Conference South, exiled for the first half of the season. Mm didn't have really have any money and they still managed to stay up like it is an it is it is amazing like i actually had the um the privilege at the end of last season the game once you know once survival was was assured <laughs> uh gavin Katz invited me to go and do a team talk well wow, uh, wow, wow. for the home game i think it was against leatherheads maybe or leaston i think it was Le- leatherhead maybe it's woking i'm not sure um so, yeah, so I got to do the team talk. It was really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to yeah. put the um, got to put the Dulwich training top on. Uh, it was a bit of a squeeze, but then I uh, <laughs> uh, I just told them it was really fun. Like cause, uh, it was kind of like a kind of chilled out atmosphere because it was yeah. like the last game, I think, last home game. Survival had already been assured, mm. uh, and I just yeah, it was really, really fun getting to tell the players how you know speaking as a fan, just like how much how much it means to me to come to the games, how much I enjoy it, and how. How much it means to the whole of the local community and Dulwich is really, really fun because, you know, a lot of the players are from the local area and that gives that kind of bond between fans and players that you maybe don't get in the higher level of the game. Mm. Uh, and how, you know, when they pull on the famous pink and blue shirt, they're representing everybody from the local area. And that really kind of inclusive feel that you get mm. at games. And yeah, it was it was actually like a really I laugh about it, but I did really enjoy it. It was a really, really positive experience. It's a really nice touch from from, from the guys. Yeah, I'm really I'm very, very grateful mm. to Gavin Cads for giving me the opportunity. Cool. Um we wanted to uh, move on now and and have our favorite segment, which is uh prospect of the week. So just as a recap, this is basically looking at the weekend's fixtures. Um, and and looking at the the, the players that as a spotlight needs to be uh, shone on players and managers, um, might I add. Um, so this is basically Jack, uh, you know, a, a seasoned professional um, <laughs> who is playing like an amateur, basically okay. heavy baggy touches, overhit passes, uh, blunders in defence, and all the rest of it. So if you could choose one player from the weekend that should be. Uh, the prospect of the week, who would that player be? David De Gea. 
Let another one do his legs. Let another one do his legs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when this guy was the best goalkeeper in the country. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. And How yet, for the, last, for the last like 18 months, he's been rubbish. Like, yeah. Terrible. I don't know whether it dates back to... Do you remember he had a pretty bad like World Cup 2018? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And left scar tissue. Yeah, yeah. And then last yeah. year, he was... So many like bad mistakes. It's le- le- like the guy is like the best shot stopper I've ever seen. He's unbelievable reflexes, and yet now he just lets the ball straight through him, straight through his legs, straight through his arms. It was the same with the Van Arnholt winner on yeah. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I couldn't believe it. You watch him, that, and you yeah. think David, you're better than that. Yeah. I think the yeah. tread on the tire is starting to show with with David De Gea. I just think one thing I've noticed about goalkeepers is once they have a dip in form, they very rarely recover. I remember Pepe Reina experiencing a similar thing at Liverpool. When he first joined, he was amazing. And yeah, then he had yeah. a season with that was riddled with errors. And ever since then, he never recovered that's to great, those heights. That's a great point. Um, Joe Hart, really, really sudden decline. <laughs> yeah. Shea Given, really, really sudden yeah, decline. Yeah. Like when you, it's, it's weird because De Gea can't be that... I don't know how old he is. I guess he's probably about 28. Yeah, 29, I mean, he's yeah. not He can't old. be that old no, for keepers. Yeah, so yeah. he should have a lot, a lot of time left. But then you don't really know. Like Hart, you know... Hart's decline started when he was about 29, 30. I can't think that De Gea is in terminal decline just because he's so good and, and not that old. But, you know, last year, I mean, you're allowed to have one year off, but if he's going to be rubbish this year as well, then it's different, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but don't you think that's also because he's facing more shots? Let's yeah, think about yeah, the defence. Totally. No, 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 it's no, not. No, because no, no, let United. me make my point. Let me make no, my no, point. no, 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 let me make my point. <laughs> yeah, what I'm trying to say is, this is a guy that played behind Vidic, Ferdinand. Now you're playing in front of Dross. So obviously you're going to be facing more shots. And obviously I know the errors that he's making yeah. are poor. But over a period of time, like, if you're facing shot, shot, yeah, shot, yeah. Your, your resistance is going to go. Dad, I hear that. But the thing is, is that, in my opinion, David De Gea's best season was the season when Man United finished second. And his goal was getting peppered that season. And he was unbelievable unreal he's mm. the one that single-handedly put them in second so i'm not buying that one so yeah, it's like a boxer that keeps taking too many punches yeah, over yeah, the course yeah. of a you time your your defense shot, got, yeah shot you become fighter. short yeah, yeah, that yeah. might be happening there <laughs> <laughs> so so what about you guys who who is your prospect of the week you know what i just want to have my agenda so <laughs> let me let, let me have it. i was gonna actually I go with i, exactly I was actually gonna, gonna go with david louise at arsenal but i think i'm gonna stay with the theme of man united i mean Ollie, <laughs> just what, what are you doing? You should. These are the games that you need to win to, to get top four. And I mean, he just doesn't fill me with any confidence. When I see him on the sideline, you know, he always looks vacant. Mm. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm not having him. I feel that, as I said last season, I feel that he'll be sacked by January. You're Can't still sticking by that, yeah? Yeah, yeah, because Can't David Moy- David Moyes was doing a better job than him. So mm-hmm. what is he staying for because of an t- emotional attachment? I'm sorry, this is Man United Football Club. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to go for, I mean, Dot mentioned the man in question. Um, he used to play at PSG, Chelsea. Mm. You know, he's had a decent career, but he's always been a player that's been flummoxed with mistakes. And <laughs> I'm going to have to go for David Luiz. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Arsenal signed him, I remember I was here saying, you know what, I'm not convinced. Mm. Maybe you can get away with him for a year. But over the course of that year, he's going to be riddled with errors against mm. the top teams. And on Saturday, he didn't let me down. I mean, a petulant drag on Mo Salah gives us a penalty and mm. allows us to virtually finish the game and he's defending for the third some people say oh you're on the yellow so you have to do it but the thing with no. David Luiz he's not a proactive defender he's a reactive yeah. defender and yeah. he's someone yeah, yeah. that always feels he needs to be in the action doing mm. something and 
if he's not a ball playing centre half, he's nothing much else. He's yeah. he's an experienced head, but yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan. And David Luiz, you're my prospect of the week. Fair point. I I certainly agree with that. I think he was yeah he was he was at fault for two of the goals. I think he just needs to be as you mentioned a bit more proactive in the way that he defends. Um, and just yeah, I mean just instead of being so rash, just, you know, just think a bit more. Yeah, but that's uh, that's his career. That is his career. Mm -hmm. So uh, nothing's going to change at Arsenal all of a sudden. Fair point. Fair point. Well, at least I hope that it will. Uh, I think uh, our season (laughs) and where we finish certainly depends on it. So maybe, maybe in your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So I'm just looking at the time. We're deep into Fergie time. Um, so I wanted to round up actually just now. A, just There's, a few questions for yeah, Jack. Yeah, exactly. Just literally three, four minutes. I think some, 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 some of uh, mm. the followers on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. uh, tweeted in with some questions. So yeah, go ahead. So, go ahead. so this one's go from Loso LFC, massive Liverpool supporter and a real, you know, family member of the Definitely. pod. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Shouts um, out Loso. He said your North London derby predictions. We know you're going to be going to that game. And your combined 11 from the current crop of players that are fit. Okay, cool. That's a good question. Um, prediction, I'm going to go for Arsenal win. Mm. Uh, I just think I don't really like what I've seen from Spurs so far. And I, yeah, I think Arsenal have the edge. Uh, combined 11. Okay, let's go. Uh, Leno in goal. Wow. Uh, mm. Right back. Well, Bellerin's not fit, is he? So, make miles no. mm. uh, Centre-backs. uh all to, I can't really have a Tongan because he's not playing. So I'm gonna have I'm gonna go all I'm gonna go for experience. All the wheel and David Luiz. Mm-hmm. Um, left back. Um, Tierney's not fit, is he? So mm-hmm. I'm gonna stick with Rose. Again, go for experience. In the middle of the pitch, I'm gonna have I don't like any of Arsenal's midfielders. So I'm gonna have Winks and Dombele. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. And then front four, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna have Lacazette and Kane and Aubameyang. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I just want all three. I've got to have all three on the pitch, yeah, and then yeah. I'll have another midfielder. So I'll have I'm not gonna have Ericsson because his head's not right. So I'm gonna have Sabios. Mm. So it's a four three three. I'm gonna have Sabios, Winks, and Ndombele, and then Kane. Interesting midfield. Uh, what is that again? Kane, Kane Lacazette, Lacazette, and Aubameyang in front three. It's a little bit. I'm probably gonna concede a lot of goals, but it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Also, another question I wanted to ask is. During all of your time of covering football, who is the best player you've witnessed live in the flesh? Uh, I think the answer has to be Messi, oh, just because okay. he's Messi. Although I haven't, like, I'm trying to think if I've been at any classic Messi. The best thing I've seen Messi do was, remember that goal he scored against Nigeria in the World Cup? In oh, yeah. Well, I was heartbroken. Yeah, diagonal yeah. pass, takes it down on his thigh. Yeah. Amazing. Touches it out to the right, ping across the keeper with his right foot. Yeah, that was that's the best, probably the best goal I've ever seen, and certainly like that. Cause I've seen Messi play once or twice with Barca, but that was the time it's like, wow, this is like a guy, a guy doing stuff that only he can do. Premier League in the Prem. Uh, I'm trying to think. That's a really, I never really saw like peak. I never saw Ronaldo at his peak in the Prem. Uh, not like mm, I'm trying to think. I saw seen De Bruyne have some great games. Uh, remember the one where he smashed one in against Chelsea? Oh, yeah, that's that one nil win September 2017. That was really phenomenal. Um, Van Persie back in his last season, Arsenal, oh. first season, Man United, mm. 
Bale 2012 13. No. Oh, oh. That was a, I saw some of those. I saw the one where he scored Upton Park yep. in the yeah. last minute from about 30 yards out, like whistled into the top corner mm-hmm. to win the game 3 2. And there were quite a lot of moments that season where he did something completely Just spectacular yeah. like that. And I also saw, funny enough, Luis Suarez scored two different hat tricks at, at Norwich. Mm-hmm. And I think I was there for both of them. And if you look, I mean, yeah. guys, if you're, if you've never seen them, or even if you have, look them up on YouTube, because they're ridiculous, like all the goals are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the lob, yeah. I remember the lobs. lobs yeah. the, one was there's like one the halfway there's line. There's one, one halfway line, ones where he like nutmegs Russell Martin, yeah, and then nutmegs somebody else, and then yeah, like, outside of the foot, whip into the far corner. Like, the goals are like, when Suarez is on it, he's absolutely ridiculous. So mm. this is like peak, almost peak Suarez, just yeah, before he went yeah. to Barca. Mm. Um, so yeah, like watching him on his day, de- he's a bit past it now, but watching him on his day de- <laughs> yeah, is something yeah. else. Yeah, I have a few questions. Who now that obviously everyone says Eden Hazard was the best player in the Premier League, not sure if I agree with that. But mm. now that he's left the league, who is the biggest single game changer in the league? De Bruyne. De Bruyne's the best player in the league. Mm. De Bruyne is the most complete player in the league. He is like I once got destroyed for saying this on Sunday Supplement, but I think it's true. He's like imagine he's like <laughs> Gerard, but better. He's like he's got all the good things with Gerard. Miguel Delaney actually agrees yeah. with that point. He's he got said, like he said the same he's thing. got athleticism, leadership, technique, power, uh, stamina. But on top of that, I think he's got a better football brain. Mm. He can play in more positions. Mm. I've the game this. better. I love De Bruyne. I think yeah. he's. I, I think he is like there's other you know there's I love Salah. I love Mane. But I, I, for me, it's De Bruyne, even ahead of Aguero, and I love Aguero. Oh, wow. Okay. That's an interesting one. Okay. Yeah, we've got another question from Tapping Tobes. You know, shout out Tapping Football. They're doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. He asks, is ball playing now as important as the art of actual defending in terms of judging how good a centre-back is? It's a great question. Uh, at the top end of the game, yeah. At the top end of the game, like the big teams, they look for ball players. Like, ideally, we'll have someone who can do both, like Laporte. There's a reason it's mm. all Van. Di- That's why guys like Van Laporte and Van Dijk are so good because they can do both. Yeah, and or De- Delict that he can he can do both. Mm. But I kind of I feel like, I feel like the biggest teams, the teams that are really really serious, they want ball players. Like you can't you can't not be a ball player and play for a top top team. Mm. I think this is another question. A lot of is there's been a lot of debate on on social media. <laughs> Who is the best forward in the Premier League? So when I say forward, I mean the wide men, you know, Salah, Raheem Sterling, Mane, and then you've got Kane, Aguero, Aubameyang, etc., etc. Mm, I'm going to show my City... I don't know. <laughs> I tend, so my, my City bias makes me want to say Sterling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think in the last year or so, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He's mm. still getting better and better and better. Um, but if I'm... I don't know... It, it probably, I mean, a year or two ago, I might have said Kane, but yeah. Kane wasn't great last year. I do think he's looking really fit at the moment, so it'll be interesting to see if he does better this year. And I also, I love all three of the Liverpool guys. And what I love about them is they're, they're kind of different in their own way, and they've all got their own skills. And, yeah. and yet, you combine the three of them, and they all they combine to be even better than they are as individuals. Yeah, yeah. Like, they've got... Like, and they complement each other. Yeah, so I know, it's amazing. Like, Firmino has just got his own, like, intelligence and... And Mane is like so difficult to kind of oh, keep a hold Mane of, and he's so clever. Else. And yeah. the other guy, you know, you get so worried about Salah and Firmino, and then all of a sudden Mane's kind of killed mm. you before mm. you've even woken up. So. <laughs> For me, the most underrated player in the world, Mane. I yeah. think he's he's so he, good. Yeah. amazing finisher, oh, amazing. Yeah, like yeah. you know, we were talking earlier with Delhi and like a nose for goal. Like Mane's got that. Mane like pops up all over the yeah, place yeah. and just 
He's great in the air, even though he's a little guy. Like, um, yeah, I love Mane, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Sterling. And finally, but I don't know if you want to ask something, but yeah. finally, who's gonna win the Premier League? We all know where your head is at, but it's a valid question. Mm. It's like asking us, who do we think? Well, no, like, like, rationally, like rationally, I think City are favourites. I just course. think I know Liverpool are top at the moment, and I just, but I just think like City is so such a machine. I don't think put it like this. I think I, I City aren't gonna be much worse than they were last year. Mm. Maybe five points worse. Okay. Maybe at maximum like eight points worse. Okay. Liverpool, you just don't know. I think City are more knowable than Liverpool. Yeah, but more I predictable think, than Liverpool. <laughs> this is where my Liverpool head's gonna come on, but one defeat in 42 games, Jack. This team win matches. They're winning know, machine. Yeah. They, they go home. They go away from home and they put up numbers. They get the results. So they I, do, yeah, I feel they... they're, they're pretty predictable. You know they're going to win most weeks now. That's true. But I think City, even the game that City lost last year, they kind of lost because of a bit of like randomness, basically. I, I agree, but Liverpool lost yeah. one game. I know, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like we know... City are just slightly more proven than Liverpool. 100%. And as done much it, yeah. as I really admire Liverpool, they'd be really worthy champions. I just think with City, we kind of know what we're going to get by now. Mm. But with Liverpool, it's all still slightly like unexplored territory. Okay. Mm. Fair point. Yeah, mentioning City, I mean, you know, the Champions League, that's their holy grail. How do you see them faring this season? Huge pressure. Huge pressure because they've got to win it this year. Because if they get banned for next year, then this is the year that Pep's got to win it. Uh... They should win it. Like they're the best team in Europe, but then they were the best team in Europe last year and the best team in Europe the year before that, and they messed up the quarterfinals both times against Liverpool and Tottenham. So, on the one hand, I think you know I make them favourites. On the other hand, favourites doesn't really mean anything in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what does favourites yeah. mean? Favourites yeah. means what you have like a thirty percent chance of winning. You have like a twenty-five percent chance of winning. It's not mm. like being favourites in the Premier League. So mm. I can't say with any certainty what will happen. Like they might win it. Or they might get, you know, some random unlucky bounce in the quarters again and go out for the yeah. sec for the third year in a row. Like you just you just don't know. So but what changes do you think Pep needs to make to actually come out victorious in that a competition? Good, that's a great question, but I don't know. Like I just think he's not gonna like change the way he plays for the sake of the Champions League, really. Mm-hmm. Like he sometimes I think he kind of tweaks a little bit too much in these Gundogan big games. said that, yeah. Like, I thought I thought that in the uh, again when they went to Anfield, they lost three 0 two years ago. I thought that last year when they went to Tottenham, and they lost one 0 away from home, where I think they kind of played within themselves a bit. But even in that game, Aguero missed a penalty, and if Aguero mm-hmm. scored that penalty in the first half, then Different City would have got beat mm-hmm. Tottenham, and then who knows from to, where they would have gone from there. To be so honest, I just don't know. Aguero hasn't done it in the Champions League. I know, yeah. Like he just hasn't delivered, in my opinion. It's true. That, that, that's a totally true criticism. Cool. Fair, fair point. I think that I know there are more questions. Of course, but we're gonna, of we're, course. we're gonna unfortunately have to call it a day there. Um, just wanted to say again, Jack, oh. massive, massive, massive thanks for you coming down and, and jumping. It's been on a the pleasure. Air. It has been. It has been. And time's really just flown. flown Thank by. you so much for having me, guys. I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, Thank you, Jack. You're, yeah, you're one of the pillars. You know, pushing the younger generation of mm. journalists forward, and we're we're massive fans of your work. We we love seeing what you're doing and. All the best at, yeah, at the yeah, we're going to continue yeah. supporting. I think it's really, really interesting to see, you know, where uh, things go with the athletic. I'm, I think it's a very, very interesting time. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things uh, sort of move forward in the next year. 
um, to 18 months. I think it's going to be a yeah, really, really exciting time for you guys, man. So That's really cool. Thank you, yeah, thank you so much, guys. The spearhead of the next generation. And yeah. we really look forward to seeing you on the Sunday supplement this season. Yeah. So, yeah. That'll be Absolutely. Good. So, listeners, thank you very much for listening up until this point. As always, please um, continue to help uh, us share around the episode and, you know, with your, your family, your, 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 your work colleagues, your friends. Um, we've, we've hit another milestone on, 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 uh, Twitter. We're at 600 followers now. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all of you guys that have helped us to hit that milestone. The next one is 700. So we go again. <laughs> so continue to help us to, to grow the, the platform as always. Follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore TBG. Please also do continue to engage with our tweets using the hashtag TBGpod. We're also on Instagram, again, at podcast underscore TBG. Um, Apple Podcast too. Please, 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 please leave a five-star rating. It's very, very important to the engagement of the platform and overall growth. So make sure you do that. We're, of course, on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, you name it, we're on it at the moment. So make sure, make sure you, when you're sharing it amongst your, your family, friends and everyone else, that you let them know that there are so many different ways for you guys to listen to and, 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 and consume the content. I think that's pretty much it for, for, for now. Until the next episode, over and out. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.